Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. I hope that you're hungry with knowledge because today we have the one and only Matthew Kinney on the podcast. Matthew is a renowned worldwide chef who cultivates his creativity in the kitchen from his devout practice of yoga. Matthew Kinney owns 26 vibrant food businesses worldwide and is the creator of the critically acclaimed vegan restaurant Plant Food and Wine. Today, you'll learn three steps to help you adopt a more wholesome diet of healthy, nutritious foods while listening close as we debunk the myths about vegan diets and reveal the truth behind the yoga of eating. Because yoga opened my mind so much that I found myself actually coming up with dishes, you know, in yoga. I mean, not that my mind was wandering too much, but some of the best dishes I ever came up with were at the end of a yoga class or when I walk out of a yoga class. Get ready to gorge yourself on culinary art as Matthew Kinney reveals his yogi chef heart on this exciting episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. Namaste, yogis. An absolutely beautiful day here in Santa Monica. Really excited to bring you not only a yogi, but a renowned vegan chef and the one and only Matthew Kinney. Thanks so much. How's your day going today? It's good. It's Friday. Love yeah. sunny Fridays. Riding on my bike all over town. Oh man! So it's really great to have you on the podcast today. Um, I'm not sure if you've listened to our episodes, but we usually interview you know people who have had many years of practicing yoga and people who have literally fostered their lifestyle around yoga. And um, I've just heard about you many times in the yoga atmosphere, and um, different yogis have told me about you and your your what I would call like your roots in yoga. And after going to Plant Food and Wine, um, which is your beautiful restaurant right here in Venice, I was like, I've got to meet this guy. He sounds like a really awesome dude. And I'm surprised that we haven't run into each other I before. I know, and we're neighbors too. I live around the corner. So. <laughs> well, it's beautiful to have you here now. Um, so I wanted to ask you, 
When was yoga first revealed to you? I started practicing um, about 20 years ago wow. in New York. And I, um, I remember I, I had been working so much. I, I was always into fitness and movement, but yoga was just getting popular, a little more popular in the, um, in the 90s, I guess. And it, I remember I had worked really hard for three years. I barely had time to exercise except for Sundays. I'd go for a 10K run. On my 30th birthday, I joined a gym because I just, uh, Equinox gym, because I really needed to start moving more. I, I was in decent shape, but I didn't feel my best. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things I did was take a yoga class. And the, it was like love at first sight for me. The very, very first class, I just got it. You know, the, I wasn't used to breathing because I was used to stress and being tense. And so really just focusing on the breath for an hour, hour and a half, it opened up so much for me and um and I was hooked and I have been ever since wow so immediately you knew that yoga was going to be a practice that you would implement into your lifestyle yeah immediately and that's kind of most of the decisions in my life have been made that way and and it was very immediate for me and and you know I have been into it ever since not always able to practice as much Mm -hmm. but it's I, I consider it a big part of my life so you were going to Equinox Gym, you know, getting your yoga on, and at this same time, were you um, also very inclined in cooking? Well, I I was in the early stages of my career. I'd been cooking for a few years and had opened my first restaurant, but I, I did that first yoga class at Equinox, and within a couple of months, I started going to one of the studios nearby, mm-hmm. and I, I really... I'm more of a purist. I've really enjoyed yoga. I mean, you can do yoga anywhere, but I've always enjoyed it in a setting that's built for yoga more than as part of a gym. Definitely, yeah. So, so what was your, your first studio? Well, the first one I really got into was Jivamukti in New York. Um, nice. But I was living uptown, so I couldn't do it as much as I wanted to. So there was a place on, I forget the name of the studio, but Alan Finger yes. founded it. And so I used to go there for quite a few years because it was close to my home and my office. I could pop out for a one-hour class during the day. And so I went there a few years. It wasn't until I moved downtown that I started doing Jiva Mukti. And that really opened it up for me. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit more about Jiva Mukti for our listeners who are not very familiar with Sharon Gannon or David Life. Well, Sharon and yeah, Sharon and David are the founders. And they're not only incredible yogis and, and spiritual, you know, ins- inspiration to many of us. They, they're long-term plant-based advocates, vegan advocates, um primarily for animal rights reasons. So Jivamukti, um, well, and energetically as well. Uh, Jivamukti is the only studio I had been to in New York, which also was a very vocal proponent of a plant-based diet, non-harm to animals, to all beings, and and it's something they repeat every day. And, and so as a chef cooking animals, it had an impact on me and, and wasn't just Jivamukti. I'd had um, a lot of leanings toward vegetarian diet in my own life. Mm-hmm. I was eating almost all vegetarian anyway, even though my work was not all vegetarian. But being at Jivamukti at a time, I was really open-minded about going the vegetarian route. Um, it, it really it, it really is what I always say yoga is what brought me to a plant-based diet. Wow. And career. That's beautiful. So in your first experience of going to Jivamukti and really healing people who are advocates of the vegan lifestyle, um, what made it such an easy transition for you? Well, there are a number of factors. I was ready. I 
fortunately I've always been able to listen to my own body and, and I felt better on plants. Um, I didn't, I don't love a lot of really pungent flavors. I like something spice. I like spice and I like herbs and citrus, but I don't love garlic and onion and, and overly salted foods or processed foods. And I kind of just started eating a certain way, very, very clean and started mm-hmm. cooking that way. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm going that way in, in my culinary career and I'm taking the, the, the openness that I'm getting from yoga. I mean, it was partly what they're saying at Jiva Mukti, but it was also just the more I practiced, the more I was connected and grounded. And, um, and also just, you know, looking at the landscape for what a chef's really about. You know, it didn't stop making sense to me. I see chefs that are basically putting food on the plate that's making people sick. Yeah. And are society's getting sicker younger and sicker faster and and I just really believe that a chef could provide you know culinary inspiration and taste but also health and I thought the two belonged together so it was really a, a very easy decision for me I didn't have to overthink it I was I, I knew you know one day that I just that's what I was going to do so I kind of shifted my whole career wow so was Jiva Mukti the catalyst to help you make that shift it was one of them. I would say my own internal tastes and preferences were probably the biggest, but Jiva Mukti kind of put a little flashlight on it. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's beautiful. So would you say that there's a sense of yogic inquiry in cooking? Because I myself, I love to cook. I, as you see this morning, you know, you came over for pancake breakfast and we hung out and had, um, you know, some good food this morning. I really enjoy, you know, taking the time to spend to prepare the food, to cook the food, and then to serve the food. It's almost like a yoga practice in itself. Well, good cooking is, you know, the way you cook and the way I think my restaurants and our schools um, prepare food. There is a very deep connection in terms of the thoughtfulness and and also, you know, a lot of a lot of chefs like you watch these shows on competition shows on television. I do believe in cooking fast. You have to in a restaurant but not without losing sight of the enjoyment that's involved in each step. Mm. And so on TV, it's just like, get it done. They're not really connecting with that process. And it's, you know, yoga and, and breath. And, you know, it's really taught me also because I'm, I'm in good shape, but I've never been a great practitioner of yoga. I'm not Mm. the best with inversions or, or anything really. And it's been good that I'm not because it's allowed me to just appreciate the practice and the yes. same thing with cooking, the enjoyment is in the process in selecting the vegetables and in preparing them, even washing them. And of course, the ultimate is when you when you serve it and you see other people enjoy it and you give that energy and it lives on. But uh, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of similarity, especially when you're cooking with plants. Definitely, um, you said um, early on you could feel that your body was really allowing you to make that decision intuitively as to making plant-based diet your number one diet. Um, what would you say were those like minute um, senses that helped you to make that decision? Um, you know, I've always been sensitive to what I eat. So if I eat something that's too processed, I'm tired. If I eat something that's a little too pungent, you know, my, my, I don't get stomach aches, but I, I didn't feel as pure, as clean. It's subtleties, you know, but I'm a, I am a person of subtleties and mm-hmm. um, a lot of chefs are. We have very sensitive noses, sensitive bodies. And so it was really just being dialed into every little detail of how I slept, how I felt, how light I felt. 
not in terms of like losing weight, but just in terms of my ability to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed an enormous difference in my, um, I, I would say probably the alkalinity of my body, even though I was eating all organic grass-fed poultry or fish or, you know, farm, um, wild, wild caught fish, even though I was eating a super healthy diet, what would now be called paleo, I guess, mm-hmm. I still was not as alkaline in my body. Like I could feel a little bit of tension and a little bit of ache and pain. You know, I've always been a runner, so I could feel a little bit of ache and pain in my, in my hips or my hamstrings. Um, when I got into the plant-based diet, that inflammation that's associated with eating animals went away. Everything felt better, more open and more fluid. Wow. Tell our listeners a little bit more about what an alkaline diet is and why is it so beneficial? Well, foods are either alkaline or acidic. And of course, you can be too alkaline, but acidity is basically, it's almost like having uh, a car made out of steel that is constantly, has constant moisture and it's eventually going to rust. And it's the same way in your in your body, if you have an acidic condition in your body, which, by the way, does not come from lemons and limes, that <laughs> type of acid is actually alkaline. Mm-hmm. Acidity comes from processed foods, from a lot of sugar, from definitely from animals, especially red meat. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard from flour as well, like a lot of a lot of flours, things that are hard to 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 process, and and it creates an acidic condition in your body, which is basically that that acidic condition is where diseases form. Mm-hmm. If your body's alkaline, you really won't develop cancer or heart disease or diabetes or all of the other types of things that go along with having an acidic body. So maintaining alkaline, an alkaline pH balance in your body is essential to long-term health. Cool. And so how would us as yogis um, do that? I mean, you know, it's so often that we're practicing and right after practice we go to grab you know, the processed bar, you know, may it be the, the fit bar, whatever it is. And that's usually just processed food. Like, what is a is a more optimal choice for us so that we can continue to live a life of uh, an alkaline diet and really have the longevity not only of our practice but also of our body? Always whole foods. Um, and if it's not whole foods, like a piece of fruit or a bowl of fruit, then things that contain whole foods. You know, a green smoothie, or fresh juice, or a big salad, and some. Really good healthy fats are good. So avocados and some good sprouted nuts. Um, sea vegetables are great. It's it's really just staying away from the processed foods, eating plants. I mean, you go to the grocery store and there's a frozen section and a canned section. You really only need to go to the produce section and maybe the dry goods and you're set. Yeah. So simplicity really is yeah. what it is. It is. Awesome. Um, so... Tell me a little bit more about the process of you going to yoga, um, really starting to get into the practice, and then your evolution into uh, the vegan diet. What happened from there? Well, I started to put the two together. I When I started cooking vegan, it was a challenge for me at first because I was used to French cooking where you roast a duck and you make an orange <laughs> sauce or whatever. And here I had to rethink the whole thing, how to make plants the center of the plate. It was tough in the beginning. And so I I found myself, like, because yoga opened my mind so much that I found myself actually coming up with dishes, you know, in yoga. I mean, not that my mind was wandering too much, but some of the best dishes I ever came up with were at the end of a yoga class or when I walked out of a yoga class. And I've always used that, you know, to inspire and push creativity. 
Um, mm. Ever since, I found that that was a tool for that. Awesome. So you feel like the sense of creativity as you're in your yoga class flowing and that sense of flow is what helps you to adapt these different yoga or like the states, I would say, that then literally correspond directly to your chef, chef artistry. Yeah, absolutely. For (laughs) sure. That's pretty cool. Um, What what would you say is that process? Like how... How can us as yogis, how can we begin to adapt that process of utilizing the yoga to then affect our outside lives? It's a tough question. It's a tough question because I, I didn't plan that. You know, I don't go into a, a class or a practice thinking, okay, I'm, I need a recipe for a sweet pea <laughs> lasagna. I just, um, I've just found that that's, you know, there are a few spots in the day where I have the most creativity. One is in the morning with like a really good, French press coffee and other times like after movement, mm-hmm. um, sometimes in the middle of the night. But I just found that that's my zone and, you know, really just being, I think it's just being aware, you know, and yoga helps you be aware, just being aware of where you're, where you're finding energy, where you're finding creativity, where you're finding sadness and identifying all of these, um, these different sort of openings that you have in your day. Mm. So, um, you know, I think it's there for everyone. It's just a matter of like realizing it. But for me, yeah, movement and breath and opening and releasing tension, then you're free to think. Totally, totally. When we free our bodies, then our minds can flow fluidly. Yeah. That's what I find at least. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, from beginning to practice at Jiva Mukti, what was like your next step in yoga? When did you move here to LA? Give us a little bit more timeline. Well, I started... Um, I always travel a lot, and like everybody, I used to get jet lag, so I, I discovered that I can basically avoid jet lag completely by getting off a plane and either one of two things, I'll get a really intense deep tissue massage or practice yoga. And so I started practicing a lot while I was traveling. I'd find studios in different cities. Um, then I moved to LA about five years ago and started right away going to yoga, mm-hmm. and always here in the Venice, Santa Monica area. and. You know, there's no community like this. I mean, it's unbelievable. It is one big yoga studio here. So, yeah. who are some of your favorite teachers in this area? Um, I love going to Mia Togo. Uh, uh, yeah. She's a good friend, and um, I go to her classes pretty much every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, at Yoga Works in Santa Monica, uh, I love Brock Cahill's um, weekend class. Oh yeah. You know, you got to be ready for it. <laughs> but um, Krista, his wife too, really is is really great. I love her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll do Vinny once in a while. I think he's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Shana Hiller, who teaches at Yoga Collective, is also a good friend of mine. I like her class. And uh, Kia or Kaya Miller. Yeah, Kia, Kia, Kia Miller. Miller. Yeah. I can't really get up that early to do yoga because I'm, I'm usually working that time in, in the morning. But mm-hmm. I love her, her practice. You know, oh. She's tying in a lot of little kundalini elements to her practice and really like it a lot. Yeah, I really enjoy her classes um, as well. Yeah, so those are you know those are the ones I usually go to. I'm sure there are many others that are just incredible. I like Brian Kest sometimes. I think we were talking about him earlier. Yeah, yeah. He's really funny, but it's also a good practice. So that's awesome. So for those of us who are listening at home, um, who perhaps you know may have uh, an you know a day job. You know, a lot of people are whether they're at their desk or they could be, you know, behind the cabinet, like, you know, behind the kitchen, you know, making dishes and 
making food, like what would you say are some of the key points for us yogis who want to adapt a more wholesome diet? I think, um, you know, I just think plant-based, a lot of people get freaked out by it because they hear plant-based and they think, okay, I'm not a vegan. And a lot of people are not ready to be a vegan. I was in my late 30s before I was a vegan. But plant-based doesn't mean all or nothing. It it does to me, but it doesn't need to be that way to you or to somebody else. Plant-based should mean that plants are really the center of your plate. And if you just adopt that, make sure you're consuming fresh food, fruits and fresh vegetables, then eventually the rest will take care of itself. Those taste so good, feel so good, you're just going to want to eat more. But if you, if it's an animal-based diet and you're you're thinking, okay, what am I having for dinner? Chicken. And the vegetables are just a condiment to that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to change your palate and it's hard to connect with how much better you can feel. So, I mean, just going plant-based for a week, forget if you're vegan or not vegan, just make plants the center. Mm-hmm. And... And just listen to the body. And, and I think, you know, shopping at the farmer's markets, especially around here, because most of our farmer's markets, like Santa Monica farmer's market, there might be a little fish they sell, but it's basically all all vegetables and fruits. Definitely. And connecting with the seasons, understanding what's in season and applying that to how you eat. I think you're going to realize that, you know, cow is always in season, but asparagus is not always in season. And when you really think about seasonality and attach yourself to spring and you know, like, for example, spring peas, they sprout, you know, it's just connecting with the seasons because our bodies go through seasons, too. Yes. And I think that's a really important factor as well. Wow. That's can you highlight a little bit more about the seasons and how our bodies are affected by them? Well, I mean, I I grew up in Maine, so we had real seasons. <laughs> um, Not sunny every day. You know, summertime, like wild little tiny wild blueberries and, you know, a lot of fruit and and vegetables from the garden and that's the time when you know it's you want to be lighter and outside and active and in, in the winter in Maine it's, it's kind of cold and you hunker down and that's where the vegetables hunker down too that we're doing more fermentation and more pickling and more root vegetables things in the cellar mm-hmm. treat your body the same way like I always found that I was a little more active in the summer I'd like to be active all year but you know winter's a time to, to maybe rest up a little bit and, um, and spend a little more time reading or in thought you can't be all out all the time yeah it just that's just doesn't work for a burnout yeah it doesn't work for anything that's awesome um now that you're here in california and these restaurants are booming i mean how many restaurants do you have and where are they located we have um my company has um about 24 businesses they're all integrated plant-based in one way or another and in the wellness i'm sorry in the hospitality division we have restaurants uh, and other projects, but the restaurants we have are here in Venice on Abikini, Plant Food and Wine. We have Plant Food and Wine in Miami, mm-hmm. um, Double Zero, which is a vegan pizza concept in New York. Nice. We have a, a ramen, plant-based ramen concept opening in on the coast of Maine in two weeks from today. Um, and we're opening an unnamed restaurant in Montecito uh, at the end of the year. We're opening a restaurant called Plant Cafe in Bahrain in the Middle East in September or nice. October. And probably another half dozen, one in Honolulu, um, probably another in Miami, another in uh, Beverly Hills. And uh, there are a couple more. We've, we've got quite a few. <laughs> they keep coming. That's awesome. So right now, would you say that the majority of your restaurants are plant-based um, not only because you believe in the plant-based diet but also because 
as a whole, the awareness of plant-based diets is increasing? Well, it's a number of reasons. We're, we're plant-based because I do believe in bridging the gap between culinary art and wellness. I think chefs should be helping people feel good and, and helping the environment, not doing things that are destructive to humans and animals in the environment. So that's that's the main reason we're plant-based, because I just am deeply passionate about it. But fortunately, the timing is also good. The world is opening up their you know, palates and minds to this way of eating. So there's a big demand for it. Um, but, you know, I also, as a chef, I mean, I wear many hats because I'm a consumer, um, business person, and I'm a chef. And as a chef, thankfully, it's so exciting. This food is so vibrant and beautiful that I can't even compare it to... I look at some of the dishes from my first cookbook, which was not vegetarian, mm -hmm. compared to today, and I'm like, it's just a brown... Like Somebody published one of my old recipes in the New York Times... Uh, an old old recipe last week it was like a rack of pork or something brown uh -huh. and then today our food is just exploding with you know like your hat Color. it's just like boom and it's the same way in terms of how it hits your palate how it hits your body and I, I can't even imagine like it's just so much more creative it's so much more artful mm -hmm. um, and exciting to feed a guest because ultimately you're making food for somebody and there's so much satisfaction of giving something something to somebody that a, they probably haven't tried before because it's so innovative. B, that you really believe in and C, that is going to make them feel good. Yeah. Um, as opposed to giving somebody something. And, you know, it's hard. Like, imagine feeding your parents. Like, if I'm cooking a, a really fatty pork chop or something and give it to my parents who I want to live, you know, to really old age and be healthy, putting that, you know, giving, giving people that kind of food doesn't feel good. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, and that really resonates with me because when I first started my yoga practice, I was at Cal Poly, you know, running around playing soccer, and I realized that what I put in my body literally is how I was able to perform on the field, and that reflected not only in my performance on the field, but also my performance in the classroom, how attentive I was, how on point I was and also just how receptive I was to the information that I was receiving. Yep. So that is totally hits the nail on the head. We have to be more mindful as to what we're putting inside because that same energy that we bring inside is what we bring out to the world. Yeah. And um, I, I totally agree with you in that sense of you know being more just aware because awareness is the first step. Once we're aware that, hey, you know, I can feel into the minute... Um, little adjustments here of when I put, you know, an apple and some fruit in my body after yoga, then, you know, the random sugar filled and, you know, whey protein bar in my body after yoga. So I think that just this mindfulness is kind of like beginning that, that the yoga of eating in a sense. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> you should, are you, are, have you ever thought about writing a book about yoga and the relationship between yoga and eating? Um, I haven't yet. Um, you know, I've, I've written a lot of books, but I haven't done that. Um, maybe. I, I actually talked to somebody about it recently. Somebody proposed something like that to me. I can't remember who it was, but I don't feel like I have the... I'm a practitioner of yoga. I'm not a teacher, and I don't really understand the terminology, and so I would have to do it with somebody, but it's, yeah, it would be a good book. Definitely, yeah. I'm just planting seeds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, tell me more about 
what you have going on now for people who want to learn about culinary cooking of plant-based diet? Well, education's a big, big part of my company. We have uh, culinary schools in Los Angeles, Miami, coast of Maine, Thailand, and online. Wow. And we've graduated about uh, 4,000 students over the last seven years from pretty much every country in the world. And they're learning everything from plant-based cooking to advanced raw food cooking, culinary nutrition. And we're really trying to educate as many people as possible in this new way of eating. And, and they're going to go out and be ambassadors to help change the world, change the way food impacts the world and people in the world. So that's a big thing for us, running our schools. And we have, um, you know, 24 teachers that are, you know, passing their knowledge on to people every single day. That's awesome. That's beautiful. So you're literally building these schools that are fully based on plant-based education. Entirely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, all of them. And we're also launching a, a travel experience business called Inner Sanctuary in Thailand at the end of the year, which you're familiar with. And that will be that will combine both. It the education components not necessarily there. We'll do some plant-based courses, but the entire experience will be curated with all this beautiful plant-based cuisine mm-hmm. and um so we're talking yoga plant-based cuisine adventure what is it well it's if you think of like a yoga retreat but it's it's a little more because we have we're building a special place for it in thailand that's that's the inner sanctuary it's these beautiful domed buildings and one is a meditation and uh sound sound healing the singing um mm-hmm. singing bowls singing bowls and gongs and all that and stuff. um and then there's a private room for one-on-one in one of the domes. There's a big um, practice room and uh, another room for filming. So, filming so, we, so, we can, so we can create content for online content for the wellness division of our online school. And that's launching um, on the same property where we have two culinary schools. So we're going to bring it all together. And there, there are other excursions and things to do in Thailand, of course, but the big the big aspect of it is this beautiful Zen space, movement, and food. Wow, that's amazing. So, Seriously, Matthew, that's like... It's a dream for me because it brings the two passions I've had together and for the first time. That's awesome. So with that being said, um, can you give our listeners maybe three tips um, for how to eat a more plant-based diet? so that they can begin to implement these on a daily basis. I would say one would be start in the morning, stay plant-based in the morning, and that's pretty easy. You can make or buy coconut yogurt, and if you want a parfait, you make coconut yogurt and granola and fresh fruit. If you want a smoothie, make a green smoothie. Um, just eat fruit, have some beautiful vegan pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> there are just so many plant-based options in the morning, and I think not having animal products in your body in, in the morning is going to really propel you for the rest of the day. It's just so much lighter and fresher. So I think that would really be number one. Number two would be take the time to connect with the food you're buying. Go to the farmer's market or go to the store yourself and look at look at what's there. Touch it. Don't just order online. Yeah. You know, and then I guess the third would be either make or grow your own food. If you have the space for a garden or a little mini garden, it's the best. Yeah, to actually sit there, watch your food grow, and have that connection from the earth into your body. Yeah, and try to, try to you know, I'm not a big fan of 
the movies that show all the animal cruelty, you know, so I don't, I don't push that on people, but I do encourage that they try to understand where their food's coming from. Okay, if you want a steak, where'd that, where'd that cow come from? What was, you know, what yeah. was his life like? Like, did, you know, the what, timeline, what, how was he killed? I mean, you know, you, you know where your vegetable comes from, where you should know where your cow comes from. So mm-hmm. I think just increasing that sense of awareness, um, is really going to guide the rest of the path. Definitely. Um, the other thing that I wanted you to do is, I mean, you're a very good looking man. I mean, how old are you? I'll be 52 in August. Wow. And you've got like great muscle mass. You're healthy. You can see in your eyes that you're, you're vibrant. Um, for the yogis out there, I get asked all the time, like, where do you get your protein? I'm like, you know, mung beans and lentils and all this kind of stuff. Can you debunk some of those myths on, you know, where vegan men get their protein? Well, fortunately, it's one thing you never have to worry about. Lentils are, first of all, lentils are number one. Like, I get a big bag of sprouted lentils all the time. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, you know, use those with like a lot of vegetables and avocado and so good. Um, but yeah, between lentils and grains and even vegetables, I mean, there's protein in everything. I've never met a vegan with a protein deficiency. They may not eat enough calories. They may not be getting enough fat. They might be a little low on B12, but we get so much protein. Like I'm the exact same weight I was when I was 20. Exact. By a pound or two. I don't get weighed that often. Mm -hmm. My strength is, you know, it's pretty similar. I mean, and I'm you know, I'm in my fifties, so um, that's absolutely I mean, amazing. My energy, you know, I could still go out and run 10k, I can play tennis, I can do whatever I need to do, and you know, that's because my body's getting the nutrients it needs. That's beautiful. If I was deficient, it would it would be a different story. That's the key: is just um, having a palate that allows you to become more intuitive as to oh, this is what I need. I was kind of going through that yesterday. I, I was really craving beets, and I was like, huh. Oh, Maybe my body needs some iron. Iron, yeah. You know? And so, would you say that our bodies do adapt to exactly what they need? Oh, yeah, I think so. You know, it's it's not just the food. It's plenty of sleep, plenty of water, exercise, sun. You know? I mean, for me, it's, it's a recipe of a lot of different components. Hmm. Definitely. Well, being that this is just a recipe of so many different components, I want you to leave our listeners with three, what I would say for you, like golden nuggets. Like these are like the things that you want people to take away um, from this interview, things that they can actually implement into their lives and help to, you know, live a more yogic life. Well, I think, um, you know, number one, maybe a little easier said than done, but just becoming intuitive about, about food. And I mean the opposite of research. I mean, if you need to do research to understand it, fine. But don't, you know, people think too much about how many calories does it have? How much fat does it have? I care more about how does it feel? And so, you know, just be mindful about about what you're eating and how you're eating it also. You know, like chewing, for example. A lot of people say, well, what's the most important thing I can do in terms of my eating for my health? And I'll say, well, number one, drink more water. Number two, chew your food. Mm-hmm. Um, just chew it properly. That's a huge, if you think about that, you know, if you don't chew your food and you just swallow it, think of all the work you're putting on your body to digest that food. Yeah. And when your body's overworked, that's when people get sick. So just doing it without 
stress, you know, eating mindfully and slowly and enjoying it, I would say is, you know, really number one. Um, number two is variety. I think it's easy to get caught up in, in monotony and things we like, you know, I have a, I have my quinoa bowl every day. <laughs> um, you know, your body wants variety. Yeah. I mean, the everything in life is, is seasonal. I mean, the weather, the stars, the moon, the calendar, it's like our age. It needs to change. You, know, you can't just put the same thing in your body day over after day after day. And I think that's really important. And the third is really just, you know, developing a fun relationship with food. What else do we do three times a day or four times a day? <laughs> Not much. Yeah. I mean, there's very little. So, you know, make it fun. Don't make it a don't make it a job and don't make it um a convenience you know it's not as simple as just calling uber eats and, and having something <laughs> dropped off and eating it standing up like it's it's something you do every single day and the choices you make really impact your life in a big big way i mean i'm i'm really thankful that i'm going into my 50s feeling you know 20 30 times better than i thought i would and it's all because of it's the food choices and the choices that i've made you know, because of my relationship with that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And one parting word of wisdom. Um, we also ask, how do you define yoga? Wow. Um, how do I define yoga? Uh, well, you know, I talk about, I talk about breath a lot. And for me, I'm probably because I'm not a professional yogi and I'm not a teacher. For me, it's just about being present. I mean, that's it. You know, it's not about a pose or a move. It's not even about the breath. It's about being present wherever you are. And that to me is very yogic. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, for your absolutely amazing wisdom here today. The Yoga Revealed podcast listeners are greater for your joy, for your happiness, and for the light that you're shining in the world. Thanks. And we really appreciate your time. It's an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Definitely. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into the Yoga Revealed podcast. You can learn more about Matthew Kinney and his amazing culinary creations at matthewkinneycuisine.com. Make sure to check out his amazing restaurant, Plant Food and Wine, in Venice for a fresh perspective on vegan food and culinary arts that taste great. Also, check into his website to see more updates on upcoming retreats that include vegan food, yoga, and a holistic approach towards a healthy lifestyle. Make sure to sign up on our newsletter at yogarevealed.com for exclusive behind-the-scenes footage and updates on what we got planned next. Namaste. Until next time, yogis, live light, shine bright. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 